Hi, and welcome to For This Child, I Have Prayed. This is a podcast where faithful women share their journey to motherhood and how it has been marked by the goodness of God. Whether you are struggling with infertility, wrestling with postpartum, or navigating adoption, my prayer is that you are encouraged and uplifted by their testimonies of just how faithful our Creator truly is. In today's episode, Skylar will be sharing her journey to motherhood that includes losing her son at four days old from trisomy, but goes on to tell how God redeemed her loss, broke the chains of trauma, and healed her heart. Now let's meet Skylar. Hi, Skylar. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to hear your story, but first, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. Um, so my name is Skylar Clark. I am a, um, I'm actually a mental health counselor, licensed professional counselor. Um, I've been married for almost 10 years next month. Um, we have had four little ones. We are raising three. Um, and then one of them is in heaven, which is part of my story. But um, yeah, that's a little bit, I guess, of who I am and why I'm here. Great. Well, we are very much looking forward to hearing your story. Would you like to go ahead and share your journey to motherhood? Sure. Um, So I guess we were married for about a year and we got pregnant with our first little boy. Um, We knew right away we were going to name him Asher. So um, it was pretty uneventful. I don't think I knew what I was getting into with motherhood. Um, We had him as far, you know, as far as my pregnancy was pretty um, typical, no big issues, nothing like that. Had a fine delivery. Um, The first year of motherhood really rocked me, Um, just not realizing, you know, all that goes into raising a little one and how selfless you have to be and um, all the needs and constant things that come with that. Um, But it was fine. We worked through all of that and we found out Um, Asher was 13 months. We found out we were pregnant with our second. Um, This was not something that was necessarily planned, but it also wasn't a huge surprise. So we just kind of went with it. Um, So we ended up, you know, doing the blood test for genetic testing around 10 weeks with him. Um, It was another boy. So we found out we were having another boy. And then there they let me know there was about a 6% chance that he had what was called trisomy 18. So it means instead of two um, of the number 18 chromosomes, he had three. Um, I had no idea what this meant. And it said that there was only a 6% chance. So really, I wasn't even concerned at that point. They wanted me to go to high risk to just kind of rule it out, to just kind of um, look on the more intense ultrasounds to see if they could see any markers. I was only about 12 weeks. Um, So, again, I just really wasn't concerned at that point. Fast forward a couple of weeks. I think I was 16 weeks pregnant. We finally got in for the ultrasound at the high risk. And they began to see just different markers that they felt were kind of they weren't sure about. Um, They explained to me more about what trisomy 18 was, that it is there are some 
children that can have it and live a short life, but mostly it is pretty, it's fatal. A lot of stillborn, a lot of miscarriage, just not good news from the doctor. Um, I think I was, I was 26 years old when this was happening. Um, So, I mean, just I think at that age, you just feel like you're invincible a little bit and like this could poss- not be possibly happening to me. So I think I was just still a little bit in denial at that point. And it was still so early that there was a lot of questions. So, you know, they were like, I see this. And also it could be nothing because it's really hard to see at this point. Fast forward, we I don't remember how often we went. I probably at least once a month to keep checking in on the ultrasounds. And it just the news just kept coming that it was confirming this um, diagnosis of trisomy 18. They asked if I wanted to do the amnio to learn for sure. And I just always refused that. It sounded uncomfortable. There was also that slight risk of miscarriage and just with everything else going on, I just did not want to take that risk. Plus I knew no matter what, it would not change the outcome that I wanted to carry this baby as long as I was able to carry him. Um, We named him Levi. His name was Levi Josiah. Um, Levi meant, um, it's like joined together. And then Josiah meant Yahweh has healed. So we just picked that to kind of prophesy over him each time that we called his name. Again, I mean, those months were just a blur. There was so much anxiety there was you know every time I went to the doctor it was kind of pointing more and more in this direction of trisomy 18 we were I remember after you know appointments being escorted out the back door of the office because I was just emotional and they it was a high risk um, office so they kind of had that option where you could not have to go through the waiting room essentially to leave so you could have that privacy I remember sitting in the parking garage again just kind of real like how is this my life it kind of felt surreal um that my baby would have possibly this diagnosis that he wouldn't live for that I would deliver a baby that would not live and um just it was rough (laughs) um and I mean how do you ever prepare yourself for something like that so it was kind of just feeling our way through the dark of you know, how am I supposed to feel about this? How do I go to the Lord in this? How, you know, how do I process this? Again, I was 26. My husband is actually two years younger than me. So he was 24 walking through this. We felt looking back now, we felt like babies just kind of coming through that. Um, so, and we met with teams of doctors, you know, again, felt like I was living in a movie where we would just sit at this round table. Um, and there was just these, the doctor, um, I think some sort of pediatric doctor as well and uh, a comfort care nurse essentially telling us what it would look like to hold him as he passed away and what to expect. And I just, again, just was in so much denial, like surely I will not, I don't even need, I was mad almost that she was present at that table. Like I do not need to hear what she has to say because we are not even going in that direction. Um, and yet also knowing that that was the reality that we were in in that time. So we ended up, because Levi had a lot of things that were unformed because of this diagnosis, um, part of that was his esophagus was not fully connected. 
Um, so he wasn't swallowing the amniotic fluid, which meant I had a lot of amniotic fluid. So my belly was, um, I just remember so uncomfortable, um, so big at 34 weeks, my water broke probably because it just could not, um, handle any more at that point. And I went into labor. They said I was contracting, but I couldn't feel anything. Um, I went to the hospital, the local hospital here. We're in a small town. So um, a lot of times if there is more high risk, they transfer out to, it's about an hour from here. Um, So I went to our small town hospital. They said I was kind of in labor or I was having contractions that my water had definitely broke, but because of, you know, the possible diagnosis and all of that, they wanted to transfer me. So I waited for several hours and then was taken via ambulance to the hospital, which was also scary because I'd never been in an ambulance. Um, My husband was actually in a training academy. So he was out of, he was like 45 minutes. He was actually closer to the hospital I was being transferred to than he was um, here. But um, I was unable to get a hold of him because he was not allowed to have his phone where he was. Um, And he was not here at the hospital with me while I was here. So that was also kind of crazy. My mother-in-law was able to get in touch with him, thankfully. And again, since he was close to the other hospital, he met me there. Um, I truly believe that the Lord kind of sustained me in those hours that I was waiting to get to the hospital. I, again, felt no pain. I was not feeling any contractions. I was scared, of course, but I mean, other than that, I was fine. Um, We went to, in the ambulance, we got to the hospital, and that's when I started feeling some pain. Um, Everything from there was kind of happened really fast. The nurse came in and um, she checked me. I guess some things were off. You know, they don't always communicate all of it, probably to protect us from some of those details, but um, essentially she looked at me and she's like, we need to get the baby out. Do you want to have this emergency C-section or would you like to um, deliver normally? This was a question because of his diagnosis. They knew that he might, he most likely would not survive either way. So they were kind of asking me, do you want to go through a possible C-section and, you know, changing the way you'll have babies from now here on out? Or um, do you want to just kind of let the course of nature happen essentially. Um, in that moment, there was no doubt that I was like, do whatever you need to do to get him out as safe as we can. Um, so we went for the emergency C-section. It was again from the movies where it was like running down the hallway, the nurses yelling stat, they're pulling cords out the wall. I think I saw my husband for like 30 seconds. He kind of came into the room. I said, hi, And then all of this kind of started happening. I can only imagine how he felt just standing in that room. You know, he wasn't allowed back there because of the emergency situation. Um, After that, since it was emergency section, I was put all the way under. Um, So by the time I was um, awake, he was already in NICU. So I was not able to meet him until the next day. Um, they were able to get him in NICU. He was essentially on life support. They had him something breathing for him. They had a feeding tube in. Um, I believe that was a Thursday. We were able to call family. My husband has family all over um, in several different states either way. So they were all able to travel and come to see us and to come meet Levi in the NICU. 
um, as well as my family, which they're all kind of local. So it was easier for them. Um, we had four days with Levi. So again, I can see the Lord's hand in some of this, though, because of the timing that we had him. We had him on a Thursday. Friday, we met with several doctors. They did um, the blood draw to find out um, officially if he had trisomy 18. However, looking at him, there were you know certain deformities and certain things that they were 99% sure that's what he had. But to have the blood test to just show us this is what you were dealing with and this is what is going on. Um, they did those tests and sent them out on Friday. Um, but because of the weekend, we kind of, it gave us this space to just be able to be with him without the doctors kind of on us, without them pressuring me one way or another, you know, what do you want to do? Um, some people try to do all these different surgeries um, and see if it, you know, would help and just the different things going on with Levi that just felt so extensive and so it didn't sound like they had a good prognosis anyways, even if we had chosen that. So, um, again, just having the weekend to just call family and everyone come meet him, um, without the doctors kind of pushing for any information was just this blessing. I don't think I realized until after the fact, um, Monday, I remember praying, like, if, if I have to make this call, to pull him off of life support and do comfort care, like kind of just make it happen naturally. Cause I didn't think I could form those words. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Just, you know, here's the blood test results, which at that point we were kind of expecting. Um, and it just, I don't even remember how it happened. It just kind of one thing into the next, we called family in. They were all able to come into the room. I could not tell you how long we held him. Um, time just kind of stood still. I don't know if it was an hour and a half. I don't know if it was 30 minutes. I couldn't even begin to even estimate. Um, but we got to hold him, my husband and I, and we got pictures of it. We were able to call in a photographer and those pictures are like some of just my favorite things to look back on. Painful, yes, but some of just my favorite things to look back on those. That is what we have of him. Um, those are the memories that we have of him. Um, in the months following, um, I really just learned to grieve with the Lord. Um, my faith became real in a way that it had never been before um, because I had to get raw with God. Just I couldn't just put, you know, cliche sayings in these platitudes on things. I couldn't just slap a verse on it and make it feel better. I was hurt. I was mad. Um, I had very real questions with God. And so instead of just holding those back, I kind of just let God all like have it, whether it was anger and like, why didn't you protect me? Are you even really good? Just those hard questions. I just became not afraid to voice those things. Um, and God met me there like so faithfully. Um, and I can't, I don't even know that he gave me direct answers to those things, but the way that the realness of his presence in that time just confirmed like, yes, he is good. Um, yes, even in the midst of suffering, he is worth it. Um, I remember one time 
just sitting on my floor and I was like, God, this hurts. Like I'm, I'm hurt. The enemy stole from me. Um, and I just felt him saying like, he's hurt too. And that kind of took me off guard of like, he, he was grieving with me. That was never his plan for us to have to go through that. And we, you know, in this broken world and sin and disease, and I don't know the answers to everything, but just to realize like that wasn't his perfect idea of that either for, you know, for my child to die so early and that he grieves with me, that it's not just me grieving and trying to understand. And he's just up there all knowing and fine, but he has emotions too. And that he was beside me in that, um, was just so powerful. And then also I felt this, you know, it's that feeling as a mom that I have over my children, that protective, just, force that you have as a mom I felt that coming from him towards me um that he was just feeling so protective over me and over what I was going through and just this desire to redeem um us and that just caused me to just put my trust in him that much more of I don't know how you're going to redeem this I don't know what that even looks like but um but I trust you and that verse in Isaiah that speaks of, you know, joy from mourning and um, the praise for heaviness and the crown of however it goes. I can't remember it verbatim, but that became my anchor that this is my promise. I don't again, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm trusting that um, he's going to give me those things. Um, and he did. We got pregnant. It was only eight months after Levi with our next child, um, which seems so quick looking back. But I really, like I said, I was really digging into my grief with the Lord. I was really processing through a lot of that. Um, and we just had this desire and, you know, we had almost had our second child. And so there was still just this big desire of, I still want a playmate for my firstborn. I still want them to be close in age. And my heart was just aching for another baby, of course. And um, so we found out we were pregnant. There was a little bit of fear in the beginning. Um, but honestly, the level of fear that I feel like it should have been coming from something like that was just not present. I was kind of just held in this peace that truly surpassed understanding. Um, it didn't make any sense when there was fear. Again, I was, I had learned to be honest with the Lord. So I was like, this is, this is scary coming from what we just went through. Um, and I would process it out that way. Uh, we found out, I was so sure this was going to be a little girl, but we found out it was another little boy, um, which again, just felt so redeeming, not that he could ever replace Levi. Um, but that those dreams that we kind of had of Asher and his brother just growing up close with a brother were kind of being um, revived in that moment when we found that out. And um, also with that test came back that he was um, 100 percent healthy as far as all the genetics were involved. Um, yeah, were. But where am I looking for? Were. 
involved. We had to go to high risk to kind of talk with the genetic counselor, but that was the only time we had to go to high risk that whole pregnancy. Um, he was just super healthy. It was a pretty basic pregnancy. Fast forward to delivery. His name was Beckham or is Beckham. We named him his Beckham means I'm big into the meaning of names. Um, Beckham means homestead by the water. And it reminded me of Psalm 23 that he leaves me beside still waters. Um, And after that, after all we had been through with Levi, that just really meant so much to me that we would find that peace um, in this pregnancy. So Fast forward to delivery, we had to do another C-section. I had actually tried for um, a VBAC, so tried to do vaginal after our last C-section and was not progressing. So they told me I would need a C-section. There was a slight moment of panic because it kind of was bringing back a lot of those memories. It was traumatic going through that first um, C-section. So really just praying and believing, you know, this is going to be completely different because it's not an emergency and it's a more routine type situation. Um, My husband was able to be in there with me. Um, However, when she cut, you know, to get him out, she found that there was a lot of scar tissue. So apparently some women can have like you know, 10 C-sections and not really have a ton of scar tissue. Other women, you know, uh, for me, I just had one. They said I had so much scar tissue, it was like concrete in there. So while she's performing this, she's yelling for another surgeon. She's um, kind of, I think she was kind of surprised by it. So she was kind of going off um, and saying, you know, this is the worst that I have ever seen as far as scar tissue. Um you know, if you ever have another kid, it's going to, we're going to have to take them early. I I think you should really think hard about being this. Um, Again, looking back, not the best bedside manner. Um, It was terrifying in that moment because here I am in another C-section. She's saying I should never have kids again. She's saying that something's really bad. Um, She's calling for another surgeon. So I'm kind of questioning what's going on. It was just a lot in that moment. They ended up taking him away, which was one of my big things going into the C-section was please let me hold him afterwards. And they told me that I should be able to, um, because, you know, with Levi, I was not able to meet him till the next day. Um, but they took him to the nursery, I think because they're having so much, I had a lot of blood loss apparently because of the nature of, you know, the scar tissue and all of that. Anyways, it was, again, traumatic in a whole different way. Um, I had to, again, work. There was months where I couldn't even touch that in my mind. Um, I just took care of my baby, learned how to adjust to two um, little ones at the house, and just kind of knew that was something that I needed to go through with the Lord eventually. But I felt so much bitterness. It felt like the... um, the tragedy that had happened with Levi was following me in different ways that I was still having to deal with um, apparently the scar tissue. And she told me to never have kids again. And I didn't even know in my heart, I wanted more. I didn't feel that Beckham was the end. I didn't feel that he was our last child. I wasn't prepared for that. Um, I really wanted a baby girl. Um, I was okay 
not having one in that moment, but we had always planned to, to have more or to try to have more. So just a lot of grief um, in that. And I think it was, Beckham was maybe a year and a half to two years before I really, before the Lord really started dealing with me on some of these things. Um, so we had had a baby name for a girl picked out since Asher. Um, we wanted the name Haven. And again, with the with the baby names and the meanings, um, you know, Haven means safe place. And without ever knowing that in order to believe for her, that's what I was going to need the Lord to be for me is just that safe place physically. Um, I was reading a book. I think it's called The Circle Maker. Um, not sure if you apparently you've heard of it, but just challenging me in that book to believe and to dream or to even voice my dreams. Cause I think in that time I was just scared to even voice that that was a desire of mine, because what if it wasn't a desire of God's or what if that wasn't what he had for me? And I think I even, when I was reading that book, I finally wrote her name in the margin and wrote the date and was like, this is what I'm, I'm going to stand on this. I'm going to believe for it. And if the God change, if God changes my heart, um, or changes my desires or changes even what that looks like. Maybe it's through adoption. Maybe it's through something else. I was beginning to try to surrender that to whatever it might look like. But I also knew that in my heart of hearts, I really wanted that to be my child, to be ours. And so just began being brave enough to be vulnerable enough to God to dream with him of those things and know to trust that again, if he wanted to change those things that he was big enough to work through my disappointment, that he was big enough to walk me through those big feelings, whatever they would um, come. So um, crazy things began to happen. Of course, when God began to confirm <laughs> that, that that was also his plan for me. I mean, it was stuff that I was scared to kind of trust in at first, but then it was just everywhere. I remember opening the mailbox and there was this big flyer of this baby girl, just pink everywhere. Um, I don't even remember what it was for some company. And it was just, you know, popped out at me as soon as I opened the mailbox, it was, um, friends randomly calling me and, you know, I'm just praying, um, for any future children that you have just, and random, they didn't know I was believing for that. And they didn't know even that the doctor had said, what she had all said that this was a big deal for me. It was terrifying to think because she had spoken all of this stuff over me of, you know, if it happens, you would be at risk. You might bleed out. You might have a hysterectomy. You might all of these things. Um, so part of walking through this season two was confronting those fears and again, giving them to the Lord. I didn't want to push forward in my desires and put myself at risk. I wanted to be smart about this. I wanted to know that I knew that I knew that the Lord was leading me to this because, you know, the alternatives, the things that she had said could happen were really scary. And I didn't want to dismiss the doctor just because this was something I wanted. I knew there was wisdom and, you know, she had gone to school for this. She knew what she was talking about somewhat. So, um, Again, just wanting to be super prayerful in that um, I found out May 11th of 2021 that we were pregnant again. This was 
also kind of a surprise. I I had the probably not even two weeks before finally looked at my husband and was like, because it felt like every time we prayed and I pray and I pray, I just hear wait, wait, wait. And waiting on the Lord is something we talk about all the time. But when you are actually doing it, I mean, it feels like death. <laughs> like I, you know, is this ever really going to happen? Um, yeah, I told my husband at one point, I was like, we talk about faith, like it's this pretty thing and we draw it on notebooks and stickers and whatever, like faith. I was like, but real faith, it literally feels like death. Like I just felt like I just consistently was having to put that dream on the altar. And then when I thought I surrendered it, I had to surrender it again and just again and again. And it was just a crazy season. And I think not even two weeks before I had told him like, you know what, I, I'm just not even going to think about it anymore. I'm not going to wonder if this month is the month that maybe God would give us the okay. I didn't know what it would look like. Like what I feel like, okay, now we should try. Would it just happen by accident. I didn't, I had no idea, wanted to know those things, didn't feel like the Lord was showing me anything. So just was holding on and waiting. Um, and finally gave up this anxiety, I guess, every month of wondering, okay, nope, nope, it wasn't this month. Nope. It wasn't this month. Um, and told Christian, my husband that I was fine with, you know, whatever timing and that maybe it would be two years from now. And I just, would be okay with that. And so I guess it was just that last surrender of, you know what, actually, and here's the timing of it. I give that all to you too. And two weeks later, found out we were pregnant. Um, <laughs> I was super excited. And also I cried all morning, <laughs> just, just a lot of those emotions coming out of a, this was what I've been waiting on. B, what if it's not a girl? <laughs> C, um, again, just those fears, like, can I trust God through this, that, that those things that the doctor spoke over me, they're not going to be my story. So it was just crazy. I couldn't get in until I was almost nine, 10 weeks for my first ultrasound. And that was kind of helpful actually, because it gave me those first few weeks to just, it was just me and the Lord. And I mean, Christian knew obviously that we were pregnant, but no one else knew. And it was just kind of this secret space with him while we prayed over this baby before any of the doctors could give opinions before any of our family could give opinions and just really cover, um, the baby in prayer. And, um, eventually went to the doctor. Obviously they sent us to high risk eventually to make sure. So part of what was a concern was that the placenta would not attach to where it was supposed to, that it would attach to the scar tissue, which could cause hemorrhaging, blah, 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 blah. They confirmed that none of that was happening. They were not seeing any of that. Placenta was healthily attached. Um, in fact, it was, everything looked so good that high risk told me that I could deliver with my normal doctor if I chose to, um, or if I felt better that they would deliver just, you know, just in case to be able to have anything that I might need, um, which was just a huge testimony in and of itself because of what the doctor had spoken. Um, finally got our genetic testing back and it was a girl. So we had our Haven. Um, we went in for her C-section um, December 20th. So we almost had a Christmas baby. Um, and 
it was the smoothest C-section I had had. Um, I mean, just, I walked into the operating room, which was different. I didn't even have to be wheeled back there. I walked into the operating room, the high risk doctor I had spoken to and told her kind of what happened with the last, um, the last C-section, she made a point to make sure that I could not hear anything as far as what she was speaking to the other surgeon. Um, and it meant a lot to me that she remembered that detail of my story and worked to um, just advocate for me in that way that I didn't have to hear any, any negative thing, any part of the process. Um, she only told me what I needed to know and, um, you know, when the baby was coming out, they um, lowered the curtain so I could see her come out, um, which was neat. They did not do that previously. And then she was able to be by my side. Christian held her next to my face um, while they finished up and everything was just so routine. I was able to hold her um, even on the way back to the recovery room, which I had not had that experience with a C-section before. Um, and I just was blown away by the redemption in all of this, not even just with Haven, but with Beckham, just being able to have two brothers still growing up. We were able to use all the clothes we bought for Levi for Beckham. Um, again, not replacing him, but just able to use those things that we thought we weren't going to have a need for. And now I, I was able to pack them for Beckham, use the blankets that we had for Levi, um, just so redeeming in that. And then just that other piece of going from, because of all that I went through with Levi, I might not be able to have more kids and the Lord redeeming each part of that and bringing me this baby girl and teaching me so much through it, I think was even more important. Just the way that I learned to wait on the Lord, the way that I learned to grieve with him, be super raw with him, to be vulnerable in my faith. Um, religion didn't work so much for me anymore as far as just following the rules or saying what you felt like you need to say. Um, it was this real relationship with God um, and just the ways that he was faithful to me the last piece of redemption was because I ended up, so Beckham was born at the hospital here close to us. Haven was born because we did decide to do the high risk doctor just in case. Um, so she was born at the same hospital Levi was in, um, possibly the same operating room. And so just being able to go back into those spaces, um, I had to work through some fears before that, just kind of talking through that with, um, the Lord and with a counselor. Um, but a, being able to go back into those spaces and have just a completely different experience was again, so redeeming. Haven also ended up in the NICU for nothing major. It was like blood sugar levels because she was born, um, like three weeks early due to the scar tissue stuff. Um, and was in the same NICU room that Levi had been in. So again, having to go back to that space and just having a completely different experience, it was kind of just rewriting those places for me. It was like God was like, not, I'm not leaving not one detail left undone where this can have a hold on you, where trauma can have a hold on you. Um, and I just, I was just overwhelmed at the faithfulness of 
God. And also recognizing that he was able to do that because I was able to trust him with each of those pieces. And when it was work, it was work to give him those fears. It was emotional to continue to let him open up those wounds so that he could heal them, um, to not avoid the big emotions that came with it um, forever. I mean, there were times where I definitely avoided it for a season, but um, that I allowed him to come back to those things. So now we have three kids at our house, two boys and a girl. We um, teach them about Levi. We tell them his story. We have pictures of him in our home each year um, for his birthday. So he would have been six this past April. Um, we do a birthday cake and we maybe do something fun as a family, um, which kind of opens up the floor for the kids to ask about him. My oldest is seven now, and he's asked a lot of questions this year where he hasn't really known to before. And it's sweet seeing them identify with him, like, this is my brother as well. Um, and, you know, he lives with Jesus and just I love that we've been able to be that open with them. And I think a lot of that is due to my willingness to let God heal those places. Um, and that I'm able to share his story now because I was willing to let God into those places. So, Wow. Well, first, thank you so much for your willingness and courage to share. Um, your story, Skylar, is such a beautiful testimony of his faithfulness and your faithfulness in him as well. Um, I've spoken to so many women and I always say, I don't know how women go through what you have gone through without him, you know, even through the storm, what a blessing it is that you're going through it with him. And when you said that, you know, you knew that he was mourning with you, he was weeping with you. It's just like the metaphor you gave of like, you know, how you as a parent are with your children. You know, as a parent, you Mm. hurt when your child hurts. How much more is it for our creator? You know, when we are hurting, he is hurting too. He is a good father. He does not want any harm to come to us. Uh, So that was a great reminder that you gave there. And also, I love how you spoke of surrendering your desires, your expectations to the altar. And I just love that image of just laying it down on the altar and just giving it to him. And someone who is in the waiting right now, and I know there's a lot of women listening who are also in the waiting. What Mm -hmm. a beautiful reminder of that. Even that just that posture of just palms up to him and just laying it down at his feet. And I also love so many things, um, but the, the, how you, the meaning of names is so important to you. Yes. When you were talking about Levi's meaning and Josiah's meaning about healing and you were prophesying over that, I loved that. And and we know that he was not healed in the flesh, but what, right. what I immediately thought is, especially hearing the rest of your testimony, how God healed you. Mm-hmm. And by what you were thinking you were prophesying over Levi you were prophesying that over yourself and how God healed your heart. And also your testimony so so much proves that he is an intentional God of how you said he did not leave one detail of that story left untouched in the future. Mm -hmm. 
he is such a redeeming God and your story is, is beautiful of his redemption. And I also love, like I said, I love a lot of things about your story, um, how you brought up the circle maker. I have also read that mm-hmm. and I've never mentioned that here on the podcast, but I will include a link in the show notes uh, for the listeners. I love how he talks about drawing circles around your mm-hmm. prayers and your desires and what you said as well of letting him know what your desires are. You know, right. a lot of times we think, oh, that the scriptures, he puts desires in your heart. He knows the desires in your heart. We still need to tell him and and align them with his. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that resource, are there any other resources that you want to mention? There's so many uh, resources that I have found, you know, since losing Levi, just beginning to be plugged into different ministries and things that minister to women, um, especially through Instagram. The one that has been the biggest and that comes to mind, um, there's one on Instagram called Gathering Hope. And it is just for um, mothers who have lost, and that can be in miscarriage, stillbirth, infant loss, any of that. And it's just this community of women who pretty much comes together and holds space to remember those pregnancies, remember those babies, and to just have a community where, you know, each woman kind of is able to more talk about what it was like to lose um, in that way. I think, you know, if you've been through it, you understand it in such a different level. And so it's been nice to be able to read through, even just reading through comments sometimes of like, yep, I experienced that. And yep, they understand it. Um, And just, again, to have a space where people, um, you know, sometimes light a candle for those they've lost and things like that. And you can do that with that community alongside them. Um, I also share a lot about my own story, both Havens and Levi's. Um, I write and blog and my um, Instagram name and Facebook is called Rest Oh My Soul. Um, And you can kind of follow along or read back even previous um, on just different things that the Lord has shown me maybe in more detail as he was showing me as I walked through that journey. But I love, like I said, to share and encourage um, with his story, with Haven's story, with, with all of that. Um, And I have always said that Levi's name has become my testimony um, that the Lord kind of healed me and brought me, joined me together with him um, in a way that I had never known before. So. That's beautiful. And I will include also in the show notes that group and your blog as well. So thank you for sharing that. Would you do us the honor of closing us out in prayer and maybe specifically speaking and praying over the woman who may be on a similar journey to yours? Yes. Lord, I just pray to you right now. And I just ask that you would be with any woman who is just either walking through those possible diagnoses diagnoses right now um, over pregnancy, or maybe recently have experienced loss in um, motherhood that you would just show up in such a real way. I just pray that um, they would be able to come to you and just be raw and real with you and just receive the healing that you have for them. God, I just pray peace over them and um, that they would know that they know that you are grieving alongside them, God, that you are not this emotionless God, that you are protective over them, that you want to redeem their story and that they would just begin to um, open that up to you and allow you to come alongside them. 
And I also pray for those in the waiting that they are waiting for maybe some promises that they feel that you have given them, um, that you would just give them the strength to continue to wait, um, that they would be brought more to you as they wait, God, that you would be even closer to them, that your connection with them, your relationship with them would grow deeper in the waiting, um, and that they would just wait with the expectancy, knowing that you are a God of detail and you are a God of redemption, and that you um, you are more excited than we are to re- to write those stories for us. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again, Skylar, so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey to motherhood. And thank you listeners for taking the time to tune in today. If Skylar's testimony encouraged you or you know a woman in your life that needs to hear this story, please be sure to share it with them. And if you haven't already left a review wherever you listen to your podcast, if you could please go ahead and leave one, I would be so grateful. My hope and prayer is that this show inspires and uplifts every woman on her journey to motherhood and high ratings help make that possible. And last but certainly not least, if you or a friend or family member would like to share your story on the For This Child I Have Prayed podcast, I would be honored to have you. There's a form in the show notes that you can fill out and then I will be in touch. Until next time, remember that God has a plan for you. There's a miracle in the making, and I'll be praying for you. Bye.